My voice cries, it rises to God, and I would cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night of my hand was stretched out without any numbness or weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I'm even greatly disturbed. When I sigh, my spirit grows faint. You've held my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I remember when I had songs in the night, and I meditate with my heart. My spirit is searching. It ponders. Will you, Lord, reject me forever? Will you never be favorable again? Has your loving kindness ceased forever? Have your promises come to an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or maybe in his anger, he's withdrawn his compassion. You ever feel like that? I think this psalmist, Asaph, he, he was honest with God. He declared, he cried out with what his heart was feeling. I think sometimes we're afraid to be honest with God because we don't know who he is and how gracious and kind he is. So we're frightened by him all the time. And yet he didn't. He cried out, and I, I think we're going to look at that and say, when that feeling comes upon you where God seems he's moved to Denver and didn't leave any forwarding address, what do you do? What do you do? As you know, we've been looking at the book of Mark, and uh, just if you have even taken the time to open the scriptures and read the book of Mark, you will find uh, repeatedly over and over and over again the miracles that Jesus performed, the wonders that he performed over and over again. And he didn't, he didn't just stay in one field. He, when they're hungry, he feeds them. When they're thirsty, he gives them something to drink. When they're sick, he heals them. When they're dead, he raises them from the dead. And you'll even see when they don't have any money, he has them go catch a fish and cut it open, there's money. Seems like quite a deal, quite a God to be following. But he goes on and on and continues, and as Pat finished last week, uh, talking about just even one of the, the gals that had the, the blood disease and came pressing through at all costs to come to him and his compassion for her was overwhelming. So here we are, we're coming up where uh, all of these miracles are happening. People are zooming to him because number one, they think that this is a king that they can follow because they thought this king was going to have a kingdom on this planet. They did not know that he was preparing them for his kingdom which was not of this world. But he was showing them, by the way, if you do follow me, nothing in the universe, anything created, has any authority over me. I'm just going to show you what it will be like when you come into my kingdom. And so, it says he came away by himself to a lonely place to rest a while. Many people just coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat, and they went away to a lonely place. Yet, he goes away to a lonely place. Next thing starts out in John, Mark 6, and the people saw him going. Many recognized him. They ran together to get there ahead of him. I have no idea the extent that he was pressed in on, but he desired to get away. Uh, as I said, the first service today, I've got four little kids living with me for the last four months, and uh, I decided... 5.22, I woke up. 
All right, 522, I'll have some good time to kind of review things. 528, little footprints, sounds come around the back of my chair, no word spoken, just the blanket, gets up on my lap and just looks down at my Bible. I think that's kind of what Jesus always had, just little footprints all the time. Good thing I was reading this, because the next thing he said, he saw them and he had such great compassion for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. So I chose not to be irritated with Brookie's little footprints, little foot sounds. And I decided to go ahead and let her sit and bathe in that time with me, which was incredible, because as usual, I may have looked ahead months ahead of what I'm going to talk on, but I wait until God gives me the illustrations to what I'm going to share to make it more real to you, which, as you'll see in a minute, I got on my lap today. 5,000 people. The multitudes were gathering in when he saw them, and it was quite late. His disciples came to him and said, the place is desolate and it's already uh, late. Send them away that they may go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And he said to him, shall we go and spend, the denarii is basically a year's salary, on bread and give them something to eat? And he said, no. How many loaves do you have? Go look. When they found out, they said five and two fish, and he commanded them to recline by groups on the green grass. They reclined in companies of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves, two fish, looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples, divided them up to the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And he picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also the fish, and there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Possibly, some people say there was probably 10,000 because the men were only counted, so there were wives and children. I don't know what the numbers are. 5,000 seems a lot to me to feed. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the multitudes away. And after bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. And it was evening, the boat was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Looks up. Sees his disciples out there a ways, straining at the oars, the winds against them at about the fourth watch of the night. So he comes to them, walking on the sea, intending to pass by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were frightened. The other authors or the other writers of the epistle said they were now greatly afraid. he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were astonished. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was so hardened. And then it goes on to those that were sick, just came by and touched his garment and were healed. I find it interesting that as you read the next couple chapters that uh, Pat, Nick, and some people will talk on, 
they kept saying, even his disciples, I mean, look at what's happened so far. And they just said, just show us a sign. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if any of this stuff has happened to me, I'm not sure I'd be showing, saying, show us a sign. And he keeps saying, because you didn't understand the incident with the, with the loaves of bread. We're going to go back and we're going to look at the author of Psalm 77, Asa, where he play, prayed that prayer of pain. And he's going to give you a picture of how that happens and how you and I, in our lives, when we have that, can walk out of this in victory. Remember, he was saying, oh, God, where are you? Have you removed your anger from me forever? Have you forgotten to be compassionate to me once again? It seems like you're just always away from me, and you pull back the things that it seems that you have promised. And then he says this in verse 10. Then I said, ah, it's because of my grief that the Most High has appeared to change. The word grief means any infirmity, any sickness, any heaviness, any depression, any loss, do you notice that when you're in the midst of just like a, the trouble and the waves are overwhelming, it seems like that's the time God sometimes seems so distant from you. When just earlier, he fed the loaves and did all these things. But I like the response that this psalmist gives us in terms of what had happened. Number one, he said, this is what I feel like. I don't feel like you're around. I don't feel like you're for me. I feel like you're against me. But I'm sure it's because of the grief and the way I feel that you appear to have changed. So he goes on and he says this. And I want you to note something. He says, I will meditate on your works. I will choose to muse on your wonders. I will walk in the manner that you have given me. And he goes on, I will, I will, I will. You know, we're fascinatingly made by the hand of God. Let me give you an example. If I went around here and I would wager, I mean, there's probably a few that would shock me, but I would wager that if I picked anybody sitting out here right now or standing in the back, and I said, okay, I want you to come up here right now, stand right here, and I want you to do a dance for 30 seconds in front of everybody. Yeah, there's, uh, Drew would probably do it. <laughs> do you know that most of you would say, no way? Probably have some things at the end of that. I'm here to tell you something, the way you're designed by God. God has put within you a will that has the ability to be empowered by his Holy Spirit that every single one of you could choose to walk up here and do it. You actually could. There's something amazing about that. That you and I can live a life that doesn't have to be so dependent upon the way we feel. And God made us that way. I promise you, as you look in the scriptures, Jesus did not feel like going to the cross. Matter of fact, he says, 
if there's any way possible, and I know there is, Lord, that you could remove this cup from me. I don't feel like finishing what we started. But nevertheless, I will choose to go if it's according to your way. Do you realize that he chose to do that? You and I have the ability, regardless of how tough it is, to choose. When somebody harms you, hurts you, uh, or hurts somebody you love, and your feelings is, I don't want to see them the rest of my life. I don't want to be around them the rest of my life. And God said, do not return an insult for an insult, but rather give a blessing to that person instead. Extend my forgiveness to them. Do you know that your feeler can go just like this, and your will can say, feeler, you can stay there all night long, but I'm choosing to forgive. Do you know that's possible? This is what the psalmist says. He says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of God. I will meditate and think on all of his works and muse on his deeds. For my God, what God is great like our God. We can brag on this God even when we don't feel like bragging on God. And he goes on, and I love where he goes on as it parallels with our scripture because he says, uh, you, O oh God, you work wonders. You've made, and you have been made known your strength to all people. Your power has redeemed your people. Your water saw you, O oh God, and the water saw you in anguish. In the deeps began to tremble at your presence. Now, he didn't feel this at the time. You already heard what he felt just earlier than this. He felt God's gone somewhere. But I'm going to choose to remember what was told to me by my fathers. I am going to utter out loud these dark sayings. That word dark sayings are just, they're hidden things that can only be revealed with the help of the author that tells you what to say. So by that, he says, I am going to utter these sayings which I heard from my fathers that they told us. I will not conceal them from my children. I will tell them to generation to generation the praises of God and his strength and his wondrous, extraordinary works, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even children yet to be born, that they may rise and tell them to their children that God is good. So on my lap, little Brookie sitting on my lap is looking down, and I'm writing notes, and she says, you write in the book? And I said, yes, Brookie, I write in my Bible. Why? And I told her, because sometimes I feel that I have to be reminded of God speaking to me in unique ways, and I need to write them down because it won't be long before something comes into my life that makes me think he's distant, and I have to remember that. That Bible's important to you, huh? Is it more, is it more important than your house? And I said, absolutely. It's it doesn't cost as much, but if I had to choose between them, I choose this. Your motorcycle? <laughs> no comparison. I said, it is the most valuable thing that is material on this planet for me. I have 46 years of notes in here. And sometimes you get where uh, somebody that you've been around, they've passed away or something, or they've moved away, and their voice just, it's, I, w I wish I could hear their voice again. This is what I did. And so I s said to her, as she p 
picked a big magnifying glass up and started looking at it and thought she would read. And I said, read. That they should teach these to their children and the gener- generation. What is generation? You are a generation to me. <laughs> that they might know these things, even children yet to be born. I said, Brookie, inside you there's a seed that before the foundation of the world was already planted that you possibly will bear children and you are hearing these things from your grandpa that you may tell to your children and your children may tell to their children. The wonders of God. We look not only now at the Old Testament of all the things that they did, the miraculous things, but then we were given uh, the life of Christ and all of the miracles that he is laying out for us. And I believe more than just getting in and digging out the little nuggets of all of the stuff we're reading about from the food, we are to look at a few things in here. And one is he continued to have compassion on his people. They didn't deserve it, but he had compassion on it. And he said, I'm going to demonstrate to you what my kingdom is going to be like. And just so you know, I have control over everything. I have control over the weather. I have control over the food. I have control over your hunger. I have control over your thirst. I have control over your money. I have control. I am who I am. And so therefore he demonstrates every illness, every disease, every virus, everything he has control over. And he said, this is just a taste of what it is going to be like when we are together in my kingdom. Remember this and tell it to your children and to your children's children. Now, that doesn't mean just children. It can be anybody. Tell it to them. Brag about me to them. Even when you don't feel like it, choose to think on these things. Choose to ponder on these things. And it goes on, and he says, and when you begin to get a taste of what it will be like, for number one, you weren't called for this world. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. And all of us are passing through. But we can go ahead and lift this spirit of heaviness. The Bible says that if you will brag on God, which is to praise God, just to brag on the things he's done, will he not lift up the spirit of heaviness? Will he not remove that so your countenance can be lifted up again. And you'll see the psalmist as he goes into this and as he begins to complete this whole thing of bragging on God when he didn't feel like it, he began to feel pleasure in God's presence. I don't think you and I are any different than this. And I think that as we look throughout the rest of the book of Mark, we'll, we'll start dissecting some of the miracles again. But, but don't get too detailed in that. Look for opportunity. Back up and look for opportunities that you can brag on the things of God. What he has done in your life. You can brag now, not only in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, or when Jesus was alive, but you can also brag in the New Testament. Now, Jesus isn't the New Testament, remember? The New Testament starts at the shedding of his blood on the cross. And at that point, it says that in Luke that the New Testament comes at the shedding of the blood. All of the disciples laid out some more wonders for us to brag on. But now you don't have to be limited to that. You can go ahead and look in your life and your parents' life, and you can begin to brag on those things. These are the stories that were told to me. This is a story that was told to me by my 
whatever, your founding fathers or somebody that fathered you in the Lord, tell those often to people. Choose to tell them. And you will be amazed at what happens to your countenance. It will be lifted up. Take that in comparison to a person that lives this way. There are men or women that love cursing. That's not swearing. It's belittling or reproaching the things of life. So it comes on to them. They don't delight in blessing, so it's far from them. They clothe themselves with cursing as with a garment, and it enters into their body like water and like oil into their bones. Let it be as a garment with which he covers himself. It will be as a belt which he constantly identifies himself with complaining. That's a person that continually complains when things aren't going well, and that person that says that stuff comes on him, and pretty soon there is something involved with your words and my words when we continually speak ill and complain about all of life. There are gobs of you that were complaining all about our world's coming to an end with the people we have to elect for president. The world didn't end, folks. God's still on the throne. Matter of fact, it says that I saw a heaven, I got to look into heaven, and, and, and God said, I'll let you pierce into this, and there was a cloud, and the cloud opened up, and there was a throne, and guess what? There was somebody sitting on the throne. He wasn't going, oh my gosh, Trump. Oh my gosh, Hillary. He wasn't doing that at all. He was sitting on the throne, which is a sign, I am still in control of this planet. And I'm in control of your life. And those of you that want to complain and murmur and curse, those things will come upon you. I could ask some people that I know here that know when people are negative and converse, it says basically their immune system stops working and they get sick and their body begins to deteriorate because they continually complain about everything. And you know what they'd say to you? But I feel like that. I'm here to challenge you as you go home today and during this holiday. Ask God when you leave here today to look for opportunity to choose to brag and bless God. Tell of his wonders. Be creative. If you're with your children, be creative with your children and your grandchildren and those that will be yet to come so it'll be passed on the things that you do. Leave a legacy. I promise you, you will never regret it. As the musicians come up, would you pray with me? Father, I have to confess that there are so many times in my heart and my spirit that I want to complain. I feel like in some ways I've been given a raw deal at times, and I confess that before you. You have been nothing but good to your people. You've had compassion on your people because we're like sheep without a shepherd. I pray for everybody in here today, Father, that you would open up their heart today. Let their eyes be the eyes of your spirit to look upon people and begin to go ahead that you have put in their heart a blessing that that person rightfully deserves and that you would be able to then encourage them and strengthen them that their will is made strong because you made it and it can choose to do it. And then would you honor your word and pour forth your blessings and the fruits of your spirit upon them as they become obedient to that. Father, I trust you'll do it in your son's name.
Amen.